Well, good morning. Thank you again for being with us. My name is Nick. I'm one of the pastors here on staff at Cerritos Baptist. And in case you didn't notice, I, I shaved my head this week. Um, partially, I just needed a reset. I don't have any New Year's resolutions, and I just wanted a way to, to start over. Uh, on another hand, it's sort of a, a physical prayer of lament for me, a way to express to God the angst, the frustration, uh, the sadness uh, that I feel, and sort of uh, the helplessness and a representation of how small I am and, and, and how big God is. Um, on a much lighter note, I, I also think it's kind of funny. Uh, my wife doesn't like it. Uh, my daughters don't like it. But I figured, hey, it's better than getting tattoos, right? So anyways, so we are in uh, the book of Romans, chapter 5. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to follow along with us. Uh, I realize that uh, in this medium, in this space, uh, what I think works best is if we carve out time to, to sit with our Bibles open, uh, with a notebook and, and pen if you have it, uh, because just kind of throwing it in with, with other YouTube clips and trying to multitask, a lot of times that doesn't um, work quite as well. And, and I, I can say that from experience. Um, so we are in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned, to be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. Verse 15. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Verse 18. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Verse 20, the law was brought in so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray together. Father, I do thank you that you have spoken into space and time. We thank you that we have your word in a language that we are able to comprehend. And so, God, I ask that your Holy Spirit would bring understanding to us this morning, 
that you would illumine our minds and our hearts that we might understand what it is that you are desiring to convey to us uh, today. Uh, so Jesus, we thank you, and we give you praise and honor, and we ask this in your name. Amen. All right, so if you uh, missed last week's sermon, uh, Pastor Eric spoke on the first part of Romans chapter 5, and he talked about hope. He talked about this idea that the hope that we have in the gospel is a hope that goes uh, much, uh, much wider. Uh, there's, there's much um, more strength and efficacy to this type of hope than, than kind of the weak hope that we use in our language, that it's not something that we hope for, like we hope it rains or, or we hope uh, our sports team wins. Uh, this hope is, is rooted in something much more secure. And um, when we look at Romans chapter, uh, Romans 5, 8, for example, this idea that in the gospel, Christ died for us while we were in our most helpless state, uh, when we were yet sinners, it highlights and reminds us that this gospel rescued us when we were in darkness, not when we were at our best, not when we were uh, cleaned up. And that serves as sort of a bedrock of this hope. Now, if you've been tracking with us through uh, this sermon series, you have probably begun to realize that there's a certain amount of repetition, that this gospel message uh, seems to get repeated over and over. And the way that I like to look at it, it's as if the gospel, the good news that Paul is explaining to this church in Rome, it is sort of like a diamond. It has many different sides and surfaces, and therefore the different facets of um, light, uh, the way that light is ref refracted within this diamond, uh, there's a lot of them. And the same is true of the gospel, that there are different angles, different perspectives on the same gospel um, that we are called to, to study and to examine um, because that's, that's the beauty of it is that there, there are multiple ways um, to, to see it, and it's, it's ultimately a, a gift. And so when we pick up in verse 12, what Paul is doing here is he is highlighting the gospel through the lens of, of a story, of a narrative. And in this story, he begins not with the hero, but with the villain. And the villain in this story is, is called sin. And sin enters God's created world through a man named Adam, and with sin brought death. Now, death is, is important for us to understand um, because it, obviously it's something that, that affects us to this day, that there is physical death that resulted from sin, and Adam and his descendants, and obviously uh, us today as um, humanity, we, we will always experience physical death. Um, but theologians speculate that humanity was originally designed to, to live forever, that we were not meant to experience physical death. Then there's also spiritual death, which is defined as separation from God, and that's something that we experience um, in this life as well as in the life to come. And um, Spiritual death combined with physical death was the result of the work of this villain called sin. So in verse 13, 
Paul continues to tell this story. He says, to be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. And so he introduces this other player in the narrative, and it's called law. And in this context, it's referring specifically to the law of Moses or to Torah uh, or instruction in righteousness. Now, it's important for us to understand that originally the law was meant as a good gift to God's people, to the nation of Israel, as they left uh, Egypt as free people. And it was a gift in the sense that it was God's way of saying, this is how I want you to live. This is how I want you to arrange your affairs so that you as a nation will reflect what I originally intended for humanity to be. So here's how I want you to worship me. Here's how I want you to deal with your finances, your relationships. This is how I want you to deal with with food. Um, The tragedy, however, of the law is that it didn't work out so well. Um, Instead of Israel becoming a beautiful uh, and and shining example of what humanity was supposed to be, uh, it highlighted the, the sin that ran so deep. Um, through the veins of, of all people. And we see that the law ended up being more of a magnifying glass or a, a decoder. It named the offenses um, and gave people the ability to uh, distinguish between right and wrong, good and evil. Um, in other words, the law provided a system of judgment. Uh, Paul continues in, in verse 14. He says, nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam. And so what he's doing is he's describing death as a king. He's describing this reign of death. And this is something that we see throughout the book of Genesis. We see a humanity that, a humanity that is defined largely by violence and death and mostly the absence of a good creator. We see that death is this ruthless dictator and that even without the law to identify sin, we see that death wreaked havoc on God's created order. And this is this era that Paul's talking about between Adam and Moses. So this era in human history where the law was not yet present. It's still a time when when death reigned. At the end of verse 14, we see this twist in the narrative. In describing Adam, Paul writes, who is a pattern of the one to come. Uh, Other translations uh, say a type or a form or an image of the one to come. And it's this foreshadowing of another player. Because if you think about the natural progression of the story, God creates humanity. Humanity chooses a life of disobedience rather than obedience, a life apart from God rather than a life with God. Therefore, humanity dies. That is sort of the natural progression of the story. But Paul uh, puts this, this twist in the story. And we see in verse 15, this twist begin to unfold. And he introduces uh, yet another character, which he calls the gift. And he writes, but the gift is not like the trespass or the sin. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace 
of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many. So it's almost as if this new character comes onto the scene from, from off stage or even off script. It's as if this unnatural character uh, came from another world. And he calls it a gift for a reason. And I want us to reflect on the nature of what a gift is. Um, notice that a gift is different from a loan in that it has already been paid for. Uh, a gift in its purest form is not something that requires reciprocity or obligation. A gift is an expression of favor, of generosity, of love. A gift is also something that is either received or rejected at will. It is not something that is forced upon the recipient. And by definition, a gift is not burdensome. It's not forceful. It's not oppressive. It's something that is simply received or rejected. And in verse 15, Paul describes this gift. He says that in contrast to Adam's sin, which led to the death of many, this gift restores life. Instead of infecting the masses, this gift overflows to the people, bringing life and grace. He says that in the same way that the curse of sin came through one man, this gift of grace also came through one man. And he names him. It's Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Chosen One, the Son of God. In verse 16, we see this gift uh, further contrasted with the sin. And we see that they, they are not equals. We see that the gift is far superior to the sin. He says, while the sin brings condemnation, the gift brings justification. We are made right. We are made just before God. The sin deceives us, declares us guilty, and severs our connection with the Creator. The gift, on the other hand, pays our debt. It sets us free, and it restores our connection with God. Now, in verse 17, Paul brings in this language of kingdoms and rulers. And what he does is he begins to paint a picture of, of two kings. The first king is the king of death. And we already unpacked a little bit of, of what this reign of death is. The second king is the king of grace, or the reign of grace. And this is a reign that comes through Jesus the Christ. And through Jesus... This reign of grace is, is poured out on humanity, and it provides life and restoration. It provides a path back to the good creator. And in verses 18 and 19, Paul continues to contrast these two kings, these two kingdoms. Like I said previously, the king of death brought only condemnation. And uh, the law, instead of bringing life-giving instruction ironically magnified the verdict, further condemned the guilty. But the gift, on the other hand, Paul writes, came through, the, came through one righteous act, which we know as Jesus' sacrificial death, which in turn brought justification and brought life to everybody willing to receive such a gift. And Paul concludes the story in verses 20 and 21. 
He says that the law was meant to be a gift, but instead it only magnified the sin that was already rampant within fallen humanity. He writes, but the gift of grace was stronger than that of the law. That wherever sin increased, grace was there to to cover over it. And so, ironically, there's this dynamic where the greater the sin, uh, the greater the grace. And he kind of brings it to a climax to to make it really clear uh, who the players are. He says that this reign of grace comes through the true king, through Jesus, the anointed one. And it's through his reign of grace that that we are then restored to a right relationship with God the Father. And as a result, we experience what it means to be fully alive, both in this life and in the life to come. Theologian D.M. Lloyd-Jones writes in his commentary on the book of Romans, Grace always gives, whereas sin always takes away. I'm going to say that again. Grace always gives whereas sin always takes away. This is a paradox that is worth considering. As much as a life apart from God may seem to offer us fun and freedom and autonomy, it always leaves us empty, isolated, broken. Sin works much the same way that addiction does. It promises pleasure, escape, ecstasy. But in reality, it only robs us of our health, of our life, and ultimately our independence. On the other hand, when we look at the gift of the reign of grace, it may seem oppressive and limiting. When we think about the institution of Christianity, it may seem confining. But in the end, the reign of grace gives us more freedom and not less. It ultimately brings us more life because it connects us to the very source of life. And I want to leave you with this image that we as a pastoral staff have been building over the past few months with regards to what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And being a disciple and making disciples is what uh, we believe the local church is called to do and called, called to be. Uh, at its very core, that when when times shift, uh, when models of church change, uh, we want to return to the core of who we are and who we are called to be. And as we look at what it means to be a disciple, we have defined it as such. We have defined it as a person who pursues the reign of grace or the kingdom life or the kingdom of God with God, under God, and for God. And this is a progression that we cycled through uh, throughout the course of our lives here on earth. When, when we look at life with God, this is where we experience uh, the love of Christ. This is where we experience his unconditional love for us, where we are connected to the vine, where we grow with the church together. And as we experience this love, there's a certain point where we begin to see that this reign of grace, this gift, extends far further than a weekly religious experience. We begin to experience that that Jesus wants to reign over every aspect of our lives, 
our relationships, our home life, our online internet life, the way we spend our money, our eating habits, every aspect of, of who we are as, as, his, as our creator, God desires to, to have a say because he, he desires to redeem all of these parts of who we are. And, and this is life under God. We begin to understand what it means to be God's subjects. And as God's love begins to grow in us, it, it eventually overflows and we cannot help but begin to pour out. And this is the stage where we begin to live life for God, where we begin to make disciples of other people, and where we begin to find our place in this larger kingdom as this reign of grace spreads to the ends of the earth. And so I want us to consider this uh, as we close our time in worship. Uh, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, where is it in your life that that you see yourself in this progression? Perhaps what areas of the base um, maybe need some, some attention, some, some rebuilding? And ultimately, who, who are we called to be? What are we called to surrender to this reign of grace? Uh, let's pray together. Good and gracious God, we are thankful that you intervened into our tragic story. We thank you that you came from off script, that you came from out of this world in order to offer us a gift. And Jesus, we thank you that you laid your life down for us, that we might experience life. And so we pray that you would guide us as a church in this really unique time that you would form us, God, that you would speak to us, that you would ultimately encourage us and bring us life. Would you teach us what it means to be your subjects in this reign of grace? And so, God, we thank you, and we praise you, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.